This is Purple Gorilla Reviews, review show all about comic books. Hello, I'm Brad Waddell, and I'm your host for Purple Gorilla Reviews. I've been reading comics for about 30 years. I've read um, just about every writer and artist that's out there. Um, not a huge fan of all modern comics, but a big fan of older comics. Uh, and just to clarify, um, typically I can read something off the newsstand and be disappointed in it, but if I get it out of the, the same issue out of a back issue box or a trade paperback, I enjoy it a whole lot more. And with that said, let's get into today's review. Let's talk about Leave It to Chance today. Leave It to Chance was a series originally published by Homage Comics in 1996, written by James Robinson, with art by Paul Smith. Homage Comics was an imprint of Wildstorm Comics, which was an imprint of Image Comics. Wildstorm and Homage were managed by Jim Lee, uh, still in the relatively new phase of Image Comics debuts. Uh, this was a second imprint that Jim Lee had created within there that I think was a creator-owned imprint uh, because it launched with uh, Astro City by Kurt Busiek, Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore, and Leave It to Chance by James Robinson. Those are the big names that I recall. I don't remember there being others, but there probably were a few more. I know Kurt Busiek did like a graphic novel called Wizard's Tale with them as well. Um, with art by uh, David Wenzel, which was a really good painted series, or sorry, graphic novel. Um, so Leave It to Chance is about a young girl named Chance Falconer. Uh, it ran 13 issues over the course of several years. I believe there was a few years between issue 12 and issue 13. There hasn't been a follow-up from issue 13. So at this time, the story uh, never truly ends or has an ending attached to it. But uh, the, the premise of the story is that uh, there is a city called Devil's Echo. Uh, Devil's Echo is... Um, a very gothic looking city from the, the art by Paul Smith. And um, there's different sections of it that have goblins and um, gnomes and things that live within the, the city itself. Um, you can see that by the, the, the faces that are drawn by the, the characters inside of the, the story. Uh, different things come into Devil, Devil's Echo and uh, mystical type things. And it has a protector, which is called the Occult Protector. And that is Lucas Falconer who is the current occult protector at the beginning of the series. Lucas has a young daughter named Chance Falconer, who is turning 14 at the in the first issue. And at the age of 14, Falconers are meant to become apprentices to their father, um, who trained them to become the new occult protector for uh, Devil's Echo. However, when uh, Chance goes to uh, talk to her father about becoming the new apprentice, he lets her know that it is not passed from father to child. It is passed from father to son only. And so he denies her the ability to become the uh, protector of Devil's Echo. Uh, so she discusses with uh, with her butler, Hobbs, about being underestimated. And Hobbs tells her a, a story about when he was underestimated and tells her that the only thing that she can really do is go out into the world and try try at what it is that uh, whatever it is that someone's underestimating her about he's unaware that her father has forbid her from taking on the the apprenticeship of the occult protector he only knows that she asked 
him, um, what is it that you would do if someone underestimated you? And he told her the story to, that inspired her to go out and do those things. So, of course, Chance goes out into the world and she begins to uh, investigate occult activity inside of uh, Devil's Echo and the events. Uh, later, her father does not return from a mission. He has died on the mission and um, she becomes um, a kind of occult protector within the city. I don't think it was ever made truly official. But uh, she starts investigating occult activity and, and things within the city. Uh, that's kind of the premise of Leave It's Chance. So if you can imagine, it's a, sort of a Scooby-Doo type uh, story where um, you've got kids that go out into the world and they investigate adventures. Uh, the difference being that uh, where Scooby-Doo would always unmask somebody at the end. In this, uh, there isn't an unmasking because it is actually a, a monster of the the story and someone behind it doing something that they shouldn't be doing to uh, this discovered by chance and her, her, her cast. Um, and that's the premise of chance. Leave it to chance. So let's talk about the feel of leave it to chance. First off, let's uh, go over just what it is to, when you're reading the leave it to chance series, what kind of feeling you get from, from the book. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of mystical type things, magic and stuff like that going on with crime noir. Uh, I mentioned earlier about how it's a Gothic city and it's divided into different sections. Uh, there's little Cairo, there's, um, a couple of other little places that are mentioned inside of there. And one of the interesting things about Paul Smith's art, the way that he depicts the city is that, uh, during the nighttime, it just looks like, uh, uh, very crime noir, uh, horror type uh, city, but during the daytime, it just looks like a normal um, city that you might see down the street from your house or wherever you might go. It's not uh, it's not fantastical or anything else, but at night, it's definitely drawn as a, a different type of fantastical city. So, um, again, I, I talked about a little bit of a Scooby Doo feeling to the city to the series where you've got these people going on an adventure and um, they're younger kids and they're doing things they probably shouldn't be doing, like in the first issue, Chances, driving a, um, a little red car. Uh, she's only 14, doesn't have a license. So one of the great things about Leave of Chances is it's very timeless. Uh, when I say timeless, uh, when you read the series, you're, you're not tied up in what's going on in the world outside your window at this moment. You're not tied up in the world of yesterday. Uh, this could be happening at any time. Uh, it is tends to be a little more... Um, older feel to it. Some of Chance's uh, uniforms and costumes that she wears and some of the other characters dress more of like the, the old gangster style movies, um, James Cagney and things like that. And some of the cars are drawn a little older. Uh, but none of that really takes away from the fact that it could be happening right now. Um, the only difference you would be able to look at it right now and say, hey, why is this locked into this? Is of course there's no cell phones and and iPhones and things like that in the series. The technology is still dated back to what we we had in the '96. But but also it's a little bit more retroed um, on the technology because when you're reading a series, um, again it has that more gangster movie type feel to it. So crime noir going on. So you don't really think about that it doesn't have all that stuff inside of it. Um, but again, there's still technology that we have today: telephones, televisions radios and all that kind of stuff like that, that, that keeps you, you, uh, grounded into it. So again, the, the timelessness of the series is, is excellent. Um, at no point are you tied up in, in, um, it's locked into the current, uh, administration. You could read this today and, and have just as much fun reading it as you did back in the nineties. Uh, 
so the feel of the series is uh, very very timeless and, and good um again it's sort of a magical crime noir adventure going on inside the series by a cast of uh, scooby-doo style characters and i don't mean scooby-doo style characters in the sense that uh, they're one-dimensional they're they're not dim one-dimensional at all they they have dimensions to them and they're they're fleshed out uh, i mean that just in the sense of the the setup um, so you could take this cast and you could send them on any type of adventure and they're going to have an adventure inside the cast that's what i mean by now let's talk about the art. Paul Smith is the artist for the series. He does the pencils and the inks. Um, the only things that I knew Paul Smith for is Leave It to Chance and Uncanny X-Men. I still don't really know a lot about Paul Smith's art from beyond the Uncanny X-Men with Chris Claremont and Leave It to Chance. Um, but what Paul Smith has is a very good uh, comic book style. Uh, his panel layouts are, are pretty basic comic book panel layouts. Um, his characters are pretty basic comic book characters. So the first word that you would come to mind for Paul Smith is simple. He's very simplistic in what he does. Um, but uh, when you get into the book and you start looking at uh, what he does, it's also very detailed and and um, very um... Now let's talk about the art. Paul Smith is the artist for the series. He does the pencils and the inks. Um, and I knew Paul Smith by Leave His Chance and Uncanny X-Men. I uh, don't really know that I have a lot of other um, experience with Paul Smith's artwork other than from these two series. Um, but uh, Paul Smith is a very good artist. He um, has a very basic style to his panel layouts um, and a very basic style to everything else that he does. Um, his characters are, are standard characters, uh, not photorealistic, not cartoony. Uh, except some characters do come off cartoony in uh, Leave It to Chance, and it's kind of a part of the style of the series for some of those characters to be cartoony. Uh, for example, a couple of the characters look a lot like Ren Tin Tin. Uh, sorry, not Ren Tin Tin, Tin Tin. And then the Mayor Callow's uh, assistant has a very, very um, uh, cartoony shape to his body, and especially his head. Um, you know, and, and evil characters are drawn with the the, the typical evil style to the um, to the look of them. Um, so the style of the, the the series is very basic. But when it's when you say basic for Paul Smith, it's it's standard comic book things, and um, you kind of get that feel of an old cartoon going on with it. Again, back to that Scooby Doo reference that I come up with it. Um, but at the same time, there are panels that are just very striking. There's a panel when um, Chance gets the idea to go it on her own after she's been talking to the butler, Hobbs, that's very close up to um, to Chance's face. And she's got a very, very good, very well done expression to her face. Her eyes are very well done. Um, and you get the uh, the same emotion that she has. And then there's some... Um, another panel where she's talking with Hobbs earlier and um, she's very interested in what he says and you definitely get that look of an interested child talking to someone who, who uh, is telling them a story that is drawing them in. Um, the style of art that Paul Smith uses is um, fits the, the feeling very well um, since you've got the whole um, uh, the whole crime, crime noir vibe going on with it. 
at the same time, again, I talked a little bit before about how he kind of changes the the style that he's drawing the, the backgrounds with uh, from daytime and nighttime. And he does that kind of throughout the series. So at nighttime, you'll see a lot more trash, uh, broken broken fence boards, broken buildings, uh, neon lights, uh, and other things like that. And during the day, you're going to see more trees, um, more um, crowds and other things that are, are associated with, uh, with happy. So it's almost like he's drawing a happy time and a, a little bit of a scary time between the two. Um, the designs of the characters are, again, they, they have this very crime noir feel to it. Um, the, one of the press secretaries, I'm sorry, sorry press secretaries, one of the newspapermen, um, he's got the old style fedora hat and he's got a little card set inside of it that says press on it. Um, and uh, Mr. Bendix is his name. He becomes a char- uh, a sort of uh, main character later on. More of, I guess, Chance is truly the only main character. The rest are kind of uh, supporting characters. But he, he plays a pretty b- big part in the series as it goes through. Um, but uh, each character's design and, and clothing is, is more of that crime noir um, feel to him. Um, you know, on the cover of the first issue, Chance has got a hat with goggles and a long trench coat. Um, yellow trench coat and it looks like one of those old driving um, costumes that people used to wear with the long coats and the, the goggles that would cover before they had windshields and other things like that um, but again it fits the, the series it fits the style and the, the feel of the series very very well um, so the art is uh, very evocative of crime noir and it's also very mixed with this uh, cartoon kind of thing going on so that's what you've got inside of it um, the sort of the only complaint that I have for the, the, the art for Paul Smith is that uh, it's said in issue one that Chance uh, Chance's father Lucas had had some kind of accident that destroyed his face. Uh, you don't really get that. Uh, looking at the the face of uh, Lucas Falconer doesn't really show you that uh, there's any damage done to his face. It's just uh, uh, he's got a large beard. He's got kind of a flat nose. He's got long black hair. So there's nothing really that uh, that has um, shown that damage um, to his face that was done by it. Um, don't recall anything else that occurs throughout the series that really kind of goes into the, shows you the damage that was done to Charles, uh, Lucas Falconer's face. Um, and maybe I just don't recall it or remember it, but I, it doesn't seem like it was something in there. I know that it was mentioned a few more times in the series. Uh, and that's the only complaint that I would have about Paul Smith's art. Uh, other than that, it is uh, just about the um, one of the, the perfect meshes between um, the art and the writing in the series. The style fits the writing very well, and the writing fits the art style very well. Um, I don't really pay a lot of attention to colors um, and colorists like I really probably should, uh, but to give credit to Jeremy Cox, who did the colors on the series, um, they too are, are somewhere between muted and bright. Um, they're they're what you would probably think of in an old 80s style comic um, where the, the coloring is, uh, it's very detailed. It's not uh, some of that stuff that we get today where the they try to do that photorealistic coloring and, and other stuff to it, but it's very detailed for the time. Um, it's bright enough to, to make you chipper and, and dark enough to be able to make that that horror dark uh, magical feel that you get at nighttime that gets you the little bit of a creeps going on inside of there. Um, but it's a very good mesh between the art and the writing on the series.
Now on to the writing. Um, so I'm a big fan of James Robinson. Um, so I'm probably biased towards towards what he does, but uh, a very big fan of his. Um, read his Starman series back in the 90s when it was coming out. Um, just recently read his Superman New Krypton run. Uh, really enjoyed that. Um, so I've read a lot of James Robinson's work. And, and you can see a lot of James Robinson in everything that James Robinson does. Um, there's a certain style and, and thing that he does, um, that he does in everything that he, 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 he creates and leave it to chance being created by James Robinson and Paul Smith, uh, probably has more of that than anything else. I think that's where the, the noir comes from, uh, cause he's a big fan of noir and, and older feeling books and, and stories. So I think that's where a big part of that feeling comes from. Um, what I think is interesting most about this series is uh, just that uh, James Robinson wanted to create a very simple series. Now, I don't know that from James Robinson. I just know that when you're reading the series, it's it's a it's a simple, complex series. So there is a um, you could easily pick up any given issue and read that issue. You could pick up any given storyline and read that storyline and get a complete feel out of that without having to read everything going into it. But then in the background, there's all these little things that are happening that are building towards. Uh, a bigger storyline going on. Uh, it's hinted very later in the series that that Lucas Falconer isn't dead, uh, even though we saw him die. And then there's a, a background that's happening that that's unfolding that's uh, around Lucas's uh, old missions, and I believe uh, Chance's mother's death, and who that villain is, and the things that go behind it. So there's a complex thing that's happening in the background. There's also a complex thing happening with Chance. Uh, Chance in the first issue is turning 14 and she has a friend who's a fairy and she opens a door and crawls into a tree uh, and goes into this little fairy land uh, and in issue 12 she comes back to that fairy land and uh, the fairies are telling her and have been telling her uh, since issue one that uh, she's about to be not be able to see them anymore uh, so Chance is growing up there there's um, several times in the series where you get that um uh, coming of age kind of thing happening inside of the series where, uh, you know, Ch again, Chance is turning 14 in issue one, and she's supposed to take on this role of uh, the apprentice to her father's occult protector, but her father doesn't let her, so she has to fight for it, and she's going out into the world fighting for it, and she encounters um, adventures that um, on the surface are, are entirely simplistic, that if you handed it to a child and you, the child read it, they would, they would not get any of the hints at it, but as an older person, you're going to read it and you're going to go, oh man, this is what's going to go on here. Um, so there's some coming of age, growing up stories behind uh, Chance's uh, story itself, um, which is uh, really good. Like I, I really enjoy stories that, that um, do everything simple and, and then they, they might have a mystery going on behind the scenes and they'll build into something for a slow boil and that kind of thing. But when it's just uh, crammed overall and overall and you just get that slow boil every single issue and everything like that, but you, you can enjoy every single issue of Leave It to Chance on its own. You can enjoy the storylines of its own and then you can enjoy the series as a whole. Um, so it's a, it's a great uh, series. It's broken up to, into different story arcs. You've got the... A story arc, uh, the first four issues called Shaman's Reign. Um, after Shaman's Reign um, is over, you've got um, a story about um, this kind of occult uh, gangster group inside of uh, uh, the city um, of Devil's Echo. Uh, and then you've got uh, a two-parter that is a, um, a pirate adventure where they're chasing a pirate ghost, searching for treasure. Um, 
and then you've got another four-parter where the universal monsters come to life out of the movies. Um, you've got a story where a hockey player comes back from the dead to play hockey one more time, and then you've got an adventure in the fa- the fairy world um, that goes on. And then issue 13, which again was printed several years after issue 12, is kind of a, more of a recap. Um, it's a sort of goes back over what's already been going on in the series um, to catch you back up. And my, my assumption is that they were thinking the series was going to pick back up and they were going to have an issue 14 come out and they needed four, 13 to be able to catch everybody back up to the series. But uh, nothing ever came of, of issue thir- uh, issue 14. 13 was the last one published. Um, <clears throat> the dialogue is is good dialogue it's, it's the basic dialogue that uh, you, you would hear from james robinson it's not overly complicated it doesn't give you a lot of zingers and, and one-liners and things like that it, it it's uh conversations between people uh that are pretty well done um conversations that you would expect people to have you know when chance goes to tell her father to that she wants to become the um the apprentice to his occult protector Uh, She's real nervous about it, and she stands outside the door, and she builds her courage up. Uh, She puts his favorite dress on that she has. Um, She uh, waits for the the person he's speaking to inside of there, and she walks in, and she just blurts out what it is. Um, And right back behind it, uh, Lucas comes right back and and says it back out to her. Um, You know, it's not quippy. It's not – it's not – uh, puns and, and other things, one-liners going on. It is uh, actual conversations. There are one-liners in the series. There, there are little funny scenes that are set up. Um, Lucas had taken, a, had rescued a dragon from another dimension. And he's trying to get it back into that dimension before it can't ever go back into that dimension. And uh, Chance wants to free the dragon. So when Lucas walks out of the room, she frees the dragon. Then she also has to go and tell her father. Um, what she did and she's thinking of all these different stories and scenarios of how the dragon escaped without telling the truth and in the end she finally tells him the truth and um, uh, you get this panel of the castle in which they live uh, and a a word bloom coming out screaming the words you did what back to uh, back to her response you don't actually see her telling him the the part of it but uh, uh, it's it's, uh, good characterizations from all the characters good dialogue from all the characters um, you can tell different characters by their dialogue. Um, if you didn't have the panels, you could read the panels or you could read the dialogue and you could still be able to tell probably who's telling it. Uh, I won't say everyone has their own way of talking and their own unique part of it, uh, at least for the first few issues. But, uh, um, you, you, they, they definitely have their own mannerisms inside of it. They, they, uh, it's not replaceable dialogue from one to the other. You couldn't just switch it around. There, there are panels where you could do that and dialogue that you could do that that are probably more plot advancing dialogue. But uh, at the same time, uh, Hobbes talks differently than than Lucas talks, and Lucas talks differently than Chance talks, um, and so on in the series. It's um, so. Um, my guess is the overall arc of the story was meant to be uh, Chance becoming. Uh, growing up, uh, and going through, uh, life. Uh, so again, when you look at the, the early issues, you get, um, this sense of a fantasy and then you go into the, uh, fantasy mixed with crime noir and then you go into horror mixed with crime noir and you're, you're building up towards, um, some kind of, um, 
growth out outside of there. Uh, Chance does get some ability towards the occult by the end of the series because uh, she's been adventuring with the occult adventure and the occult throughout the series. Um, and she's getting builds confidence as it goes through and and uh, knowledge and all that stuff. So I think that there's probably going to be a story uh, about Chance growing up. And I could be wrong. She may have stayed 14 for 100 years or 100 issues. I don't know, but uh, it does seem like that uh, they were they were hinting at the the overarching story being about growing growing up and leaving your childhood behind. Um, there's a little melancholy in some of the issues from that. Um, but not overly such. Um, um, it, it stays true to the, the series as being this um, sort of simplistic adventure that is going to take you from uh, a beginning, a middle, and an end, um, all in one setting, and then a complex story if you were to read the entire series overall. Uh, again, we don't get that because the series ends at issue 13. But uh, Leave It's Chance is a, a very um, well-written series. Uh, again, very, very biased because I just, I'm a big fan of James Robinson's, but, uh, um, it's, uh, it's, if you were to compare it to some of the books that are being hailed today as, as great works, um, I, I would definitely put this way up on that category. Like you couldn't even compare the two. If you were to give some of the books written today, a 10, this would be a 20, um, just because of the effort and the ability of the dialogue that's put into it. Um, Okay, so overall, uh, Leave It a Chance is a very timeless, well-written series with uh, very uh, sustainable art that uh, gives you a fun adventure that could be read single issues, four issues, or the entire series. Uh, unfortunately, again, we do not get an ending to the entire series. We just get 13 issues of, of well-written stories. Uh, you can purchase Leave It a Chance in uh, some collected editions, although I don't believe all the issues have been collected I know the, the three major story arcs were correct, collected, but I think there's about two or three issues that weren't put into those as well. Um, but if I were, if you wanted to be a completionist, I would seek out the uh, the single issues that are still out and still available through uh, back issue sources.